this evening we're thinking of Jesus the Savior, Jesus the one who rescues us. What's in a name? That's what Shakespeare's Juliet asked. And of course, for Romeo, there was so much in a name. In the name meant love and life and death. And when we think of the name Jesus, we're to think similarly of love and life and death. The angel Gabriel came to Joseph in a dream and said, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save people, he will rescue people from their sins. Now, Jesus was a popular name in first century Israel, and Jesus is the English form that's come to us from the Greek, from the Hebrew, Joshua. I was intrigued that it was Josh sharing his testimony. And Joshua, of course, in the Old Testament is a biblical hero who led Israel into victory and led them into the promised land. And the name Joshua, Jesus, in Hebrew, Yehoshua means the Lord saves or the Lord rescues. That's his name. And when Jesus would introduce himself as a little boy, hello, I am the Lord who saves. I am the Lord who rescues. I guess naming your child Jesus, and it was quite a common name in the first century, was a sort of personified prayer. At that time, Israel was under the rule of the Romans, and they were an oppressed people. There'd been previous successive uh, ruling empires over them. They were a broken and crushed people, and they looked and longed for a Messiah. They looked and longed for another Joshua who would rescue them and enable them to live fulfilled lives at peace in the land. Now, my name is Simon, as you know, and that comes from the Hebrew shimon. It means one who hears. And those who know me know there's a bit of a joke. I have hearing aids in both ears, and I still can't really hear anything. But Jesus lived up to his name, and Jesus died to his name. There's a moving song by Freddie Mercury of Queen and it's about a relationship that's gone wrong. But it, there's a deeper resonance in it, and I think it echoes our broken relationship with God. It's a song many of you all know. The lyrics go like this. It started off so well, as it did for humankind in Eden. They said we made a perfect pair. I clothed myself in your glory and your love. How I loved you. And then it changes. How I cried. Save me, save me, save me. I can't face this life alone. Save me, save me, save me. I'm naked and I'm far from home. I hang my head and advertise a soul for sale or rent. I have no heart. I'm cold inside. I have no real intent. Save me, save me, save me. I can't face this. 
a very profound song that speaks of a relationship that is broken and that the love has gone and the glory has dissipated and now there is only a head hanging low in shame. And I think it echoes the human condition. It began so well for us with God in that beautiful paradise. And there we lived in love with God, but something went really wrong. And the glory that we were clothed in fell away, and shame came upon us. We knew we were naked, and then we were far from home, and within us crying out, save me, rescue me. I guess the first thing I want to say is this, that Jesus saves us because we needed saving, and we couldn't save ourselves. Jesus rescues us because we need rescuing, and we can't rescue ourselves. You will call his name Jesus, for he will rescue you. He will save you from your sin. Yes, Israel was in trouble under the oppressing Roman Empire, but actually more than a messianic anointed warrior king, God saw a deep, deeper problem. And not just for the people of Israel under the Romans, but for the whole of humankind before then and subsequently. That we needed rescuing from sin. Our world has faces so many problems, environmental, geopolitical, and socioeconomic, and pandemic, and racism, and terrorism. And all of these things are shockwaves that come out from that earthquake when our ancestors in Eden rejected God's word and his will for their life and opened Pandora's box. Sin. It's not a word that you often hear or uh, spoken about and discussed, but it's a reality in everyone's life. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what is it? It is anything that we say or think or do or indeed don't do that goes against God's will, which is always God's best for our lives. And the consequence of it is that it ruins us, it spoils us, it mars and taints us, and it takes from us what God wanted to give us in the first place. And everything that sin touches is ruined. Preeminently, it separates us from a holy God. We cannot even look on sin. And God is the source of life. So in our sin, we're separated from God, who is holy, but as the source of life, we're separated from that, and we're falling. The Bible often talks about the fall. I think it's a good word. We're, we're falling. We're falling away from God. We're falling into darkness. We're falling into the abyss. We're falling into the shadows. As C.S. Lewis said, we dwell in the shadow lands. We're, we're fading. And the glory, which is his love on us, that we were intended to wear, has just tarnished and faded. Now, not all 
have a sense of their own sin, but I think everyone has a sense of the, the, the brokenness that sin has caused. We're aware of that, and that sense of shame and a longing for God, and as that song says, a kind of longing for home. And so we try to change our environment, or education, or what we eat, or we try a health kick, or self-help, or get professional help. But often these are external things. They are environmental. They're around us and on us. But the problem is one much deeper. It's at the core. And it's spiritual between us and God. It's in our soul. All the noble religions recognize this. They recognize we're not what we should be, we're not what we could be, we're not what God would have had us be, that something has come in and gone very wrong. But their solution to the problem is often very different. And for many, it's essentially restore yourself to God, return to God yourself, build up credit with God, build up karma, balance the scales of justice by doing good works, and, and that things will look in your favor, good overweighing the bad, and God will accept you. I, unfortunately, I rather think that's a bit like Baron von Munchausen, who rode his horse into a bog and then tried to pull himself out by pulling on his own hair. It didn't work. To be rescued, we need a rescuer. To be saved, we need a savior. And we can't save ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves. And Jesus says, I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to find and rescue those in trouble. That's the first thing then. Secondly, Jesus rescues us by not rescuing himself. He saves us by not saving himself. And at the cross where Jesus hung between life and death and earth and hell, the authorities watched and mocked and ridiculed, and they said, you saved others, save yourself. You rescued others, rescue yourself. If you're the Messiah, the chosen one, do it. But the irony is that he was rescuing us precisely by not allowing himself to be rescued or rescuing himself. He could have called upon legions of angels to rescue him, but he didn't because he took our place and entered into the pain and entered into the punishment and went into the darkness and went into that falling in order to bring us back. And God has said that sin brings death and it brings judgment and it brings separation. And Jesus, who becomes one of us, Emmanuel, God with us, becomes one of us to be one for us, to represent us in that place. In our stead, he dies our death and takes our judgment and takes the punishment. These are the most profound mysteries in the universe but they're at the heart of the character of God and the mechanism through which he rescues us. And three days after he dies, the Father raises him again. And that tells us that his death was appropriate, sufficient sacrifice for us and the sins of the world. 
that he, in his death, has died the death for us, and we who trust in him can rise with him forever. Lewis called it a deeper magic. He says, when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead, death itself works backwards. And that's the mystery and marvel of it all. There is an ancient story of an old man praying by an eastern river. And one day he sees a scorpion floating helplessly, being carried along by the current of the river. And holding on to a branch, he leans out from the bank and reaches out his arm to save the scorpion, and the scorpion stings him. And he flinches and pulls back in searing pain. And then again, he reaches out his hand to try to rescue the scorpion. And again, it stings him, and he pulls back his hand in pain. Again, he reaches out. Someone from the bank says, oh, man, what do you think you're doing? Why are you risking your life to save that ugly creature? And the old man says, well, it's in the nature of the scorpion to sting but it's in my nature to rescue. And Jesus comes and is willing to take the sting of sin and death and separation from God in order that he might rescue and transform us. He rescues us by not rescuing himself. And then, lastly, Jesus rescues us because he loves us more than he loves himself. Why ever would he do it? Why would he?